We've heard the text twice from John chapter 3. We're introduced to Nicodemus, and after this introduction, there's a conversation that takes place between Nicodemus and Jesus, and then in the end, Jesus presents some pretty profound teachings. One of the intriguing things about this passage is that we are introduced to Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, knocks on the door, psst, can I talk to Jesus please? We might be tempted to smile at Nicodemus, to think perhaps Nicodemus is not quite as bold as he ought to be, but listen, Nicodemus is actually a case study in the importance of just showing up. The vast majority of life is just showing up. When I was in graduate school, I had an actually pretty amazing job for a uh, thoughtless kind of physical labor. They paid me $20 an hour to do various things. There was one day that I did nothing for 12 hours but build boxes at other points I would fill the boxes that I built it was all just just doing things and uh, I would get there at six o'clock in the morning which meant I had to get up at 4 30 in the morning which meant I had to drink more coffee than I drink now because that's really early but your first 90 days at this place you, you had zero tardies And it was intriguing to me that by the end of the first 90 days that I worked at this place, I had acquired a certain degree of seniority for one reason and one reason only, which is that I just showed up. Most of life is just about showing up. And Nicodemus, for whatever we might think of his coming at night so that nobody would see him come, Nicodemus had the guts to say, I'm interested in what Jesus has to say. And I am going to go and have a conversation with him. The character of Nicodemus appears only in the book of John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke gloss over him. He comes to Jesus secretly in the dead of night, but he shows up. He shows up. Folks, there's so much in life, whether it be with the job that you hold, or with your family, or with your friendships, or with the church and your commitment to the body of Christ, there's so much that's just showing up. I have a friend who lives on another continent. About 10 years ago, he got a job and he had to move with his, his family across the ocean. I was, I was on Facebook one night, Facebook Messenger. Facebook Messenger is wonderful, by the way. You can keep up with people that you went to high school with and didn't much like back then. But they've become much more interesting people over time. 
and, and you can find yourself having some good back and forth with them occasionally. Well, it was late at night for me. It was early in the morning for him. And, and I said to him, we haven't talked in a while. What's up? He said, I'm trying to decide whether or not to come back to the United States because my father is really ill. I was drinking my coffee and I said, well, I can tell you that if you go back and you see your father, you will not regret it. But if you don't go back and see your father, you might. About four months later, this, this scenario repeated itself. It was late at night for me. It was early in the morning for him. He said, by the way, I want to thank you. After our conversation, I decided to fly to Alabama. And next week is my father's funeral. It's the last time that I ever got to see him. There's so much that's just, just showing up in life. Just being there when your spouse has a, a moment when she or he is honored. When your child is playing a sport or being recognized. When your friend gets a promotion at work. There's so much to be said for just being there. Sometimes you might be happy to be there. And sometimes there might be six other places, including the golf course and cattlemen's, that you would rather be. And yet, there's something to be said for just showing up. Nicodemus comes, but this is not the only time that we see Nicodemus. You see, this is the introduction that we have to Nicodemus of him just showing up despite his fear, despite his wanting to meet Jesus without telling anybody that he wants to meet Jesus. He shows up again in the scriptural narrative. And when he shows up again in chapter 7, he's going against the current. He's standing up for fairness and justice when standing up can cost him. Other Pharisees are trying to find a way to condemn Jesus. And Nicodemus, out of the whole group, he is the one who stands up. And we find in John 7, 50-52, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of the Pharisees, asked, Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? They replied, surely you're not also from Galilee. Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. So first, Nicodemus showed up, and then Nicodemus stood up when it took a bit of courage, when he was going against the flow a third time in John's Gospel, this character appears. He joins Joseph of Arimathea when Joseph gets access to the body of Jesus, taking it down from the cross and preparing it for burial and placing it in the tomb. We find Nicodemus again in John 19. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus 
though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen clothes, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Nicodemus shows up, and then he he stands up, and then in the end, he places himself in this position of caring for the one that he had approached, that he had learned from. We can learn from this character that the Lord engages those who approach, even if they approach timidly or in fear. If we had to know everything about being a Christian before we came to Jesus, we probably wouldn't ever come. Jesus could have said, Nicodemus, come back during regular office hours. I want some sleep. And if you're too cowardly to come to me by daytime, I don't want to talk to you anyway. Jesus could have said that and would have had every right to do so. But he didn't. He engaged Nicodemus, who approached even timidly, even with fear. Nicodemus teaches us that courage matters, that somebody can stand up in a group of people who are all thinking one way and at least interject the voice of justice. Nicodemus teaches us that sometimes the important thing is showing up. Now there's this great conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus have. And in this conversation, there's this balance. You you heard Sean read, and Sean read the New Revised Standard Version, which says, you must be born from above. King James Version and the New Living Translation that I read from, you must be born again. You might think, well, which one? Is it one or is it the other? There are these things that happen in language, and sometimes words carry a couple of different meanings. Uh, Think about in English the phrase, from the top. Well, where did inspiration come from? It came from the top, from from above, coming down to us from God. But if you're practicing a play, and your director said, okay, let's take it from the top, it means let's start over again. Let's do it afresh. Let's do it anew. And this, this word in Greek means exactly the same thing. It's taking it from the top. It's from above. You must be born from above. You must be born again you must be born a heavenly birth there's more to life than biology if we've lived long enough we know that there's more to life than our blood pressure our pulse rate the fact that if they hook something up to our brains our brains measure as being active there's more to life than that there is a life that is beyond the biological. And you can tell that some people have that life. You can tell that the man in his 
40s with a twinkle in his eye that is serving God in a way that you might not see if you weren't looking has the life that is more than biological. You can tell with the woman who is 95 years old, one of, one of my favorite photographs that I've ever taken is of a 95-year-old woman from Franklin, Kentucky, who turns 99 this year, on a camel in Jericho. There is a twinkle in her eye, there is a spring in her step, there is a love in her heart. Her body might be wasting away. But she's coming alive. She's coming alive. There's more to life than biology. And this more to life than biology is this, that God intends to, wishes to, invites us to join Him in sharing His life with us. The life, the love, the dance between God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That, that never-ending dance of love, God says, join. Jesus is sent into the world to be lifted up. John 3.14 is clear about that. Just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. That was probably your Old Testament lesson before you went to sleep last night. The Israelites are bitten by snakes. They start to die. Moses crafts this bronze serpent and raises the bronze serpent up. And everyone who looks on the serpent, somehow by the grace of God, is saved. Jesus said, like that, I am lifted up. I will be lifted up on the cross that whoever looks upon me by the grace of God will be saved. Jesus is lifted up, and he comes to invite us to share in the mysterious life of the Trinity. Now, I've got this, this graph here, which if you, have your, uh, if you have your binoculars, you can see. It's the Greek word that means spirit. It's also the same word that means wind. It's the word that means breath. It means lots of other things too, but, but you'll see in, in blue there, it's most often used to talk about the Spirit. That's the Greek word. The Hebrew word is exactly the same. It means wind. It means breath. It means Spirit. And so, as we're looking at the text today, Jesus says the wind blows where it pleases. The Spirit of God acts as it pleases. This breath of God which makes us alive blows in a way that you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going, but you simply know that God is active. And you simply know that God is calling. Do you feel the wind? It's a holy wind that blows. It's a spirit that comes and sometimes gives you a concept in your mind at other times gives you goosebumps of joy. At other times it reminds you that you should do something that maybe you haven't thought about for a long, long time. It's a holy wind. 
the wind of God that blows upon you. The wind of God that takes you places you never imagined. The wind of God. The wind of God that brings God and humanity together. It blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with those who are born of the Spirit. And sometimes, sometimes as Nicodemus shows us, the important thing is just showing up. But it's the wind. It's the holy wind that shows us where and when to show up. It's God working inside Nicodemus that says you need to talk to Jesus. And he goes out after dark so that no one will see him, but he shows up. He shows up. The rest of this text is the gospel, briefly stated. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus came to be crucified for our sins, that whoever believes in Him might have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have everlasting life. You can be a part of that, everyone. If you feel the wind, the Spirit, that, that holy movement within you, you can be a part of that, everyone who believes in Him. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know the kind of life I've lived. Hear the Gospel, dear friend. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. It matters what kind of God we believe in. A God who would rather destroy us or a God who would rather save us. A God who is waiting for us to make a mistake or a God who opens the door and says, come in to the family meal. A God who destroys, or a God who sends His Son to invite. Do you sense the wind blowing? Do you know the Son who is lifted up for you? Do you believe that everyone who believes in Him might not perish but have everlasting life? I don't give an evangelistic invitation every Sunday. But today I will. If God is speaking to your heart, if this holy wind has blown upon you, if something in our scripture lesson today or as we prayed has touched you, then as we sing our final hymn, I invite you to come. 
I'm going to kneel over here, and if you want somebody to pray with you, you can just kneel down beside me and tell me what you'd like to pray for. If you want to do business with God by yourself, come to the other side. Nobody will descend on you like a vulture on a carcass. You can do business with God. But if God's Spirit is speaking, now is the time. This is a place where you can have an encounter with this living God. Where you can say yes to his invitation. And maybe, maybe just showing up today will make all the difference in your world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.